Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. I'm thankful that God saves old sinners. And uh, Paul said at the end of his life and ministry, of who I am chief. Think about that. We never want to get to the place to where we think we're above the grace of God and uh, because we'll always need God's grace, love, and mercy in our lives. As I think about this, I think about the situations of life that you're going to face and that we are going to face in measure in different ways and different times or seasons. The day's coming when you're going to need the Lord. The day's coming when your family's going to need the Lord. I know we can live for a time, everything's going well, everything's coming together, but the time comes when it's like, wow, Lord, I need you. Lord, help us. Have mercy upon us. I thought about this. In the most extreme situation, according to Habakkuk 3.16, I will be at peace, the prophet says. When great trouble is before me, he says, I will rest in the Lord. Whatever fears you may be anticipating, whatever troubles, whatever changes that are coming into your life, just know that you can be at peace and rest in the Lord. We're we're in the midst of a great reset. You've heard that statement. And so many are talking about what's going on internationally. And we need to be concerned about these things, where things are trending, the great reset. But I think about that. This is a great time in our lives to push the reset button for the Lord as we start the fall, we start school, we've got new schedules, many of us, new opportunities, new blessings. Have you ever got to the point to where you thought, hey, I just need a fresh start. Well, we get there from time to time. That's what every day is about. His mercies are new every morning, fresh start. A new week, Sunday, the first day of the week, this is a fresh start to this week. A new month, a new year. These new beginnings. The Christian life is a series of new beginnings. And perhaps we need to do just that today, push the reset button. So I want to start anew with the Lord. With that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. We think about this fixed point of reference being the Word of God. We have a settled gathering point this morning. Think about that. A fixed point of reference. We gather here upon thus saith the Lord. This is what God says about a fresh start a new beginning, a reset. I was considering this passage and I thought about getting in with the Lord, as it were, closer. And in fellowship with God means I'm in fellowship with others. There's a flow that comes out of our lives, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water when we're spirit-filled. 
indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That comes at the moment of salvation, yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's when He controls our lives. That's when He guides us and, and governs us and conforms us into, into the image of Jesus Christ. But there is a flow that God speaks of. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 31, He talks about the flow of the people of God, the unity they have. There's a unity that God gives us and so many are missing in their lives. They are disjointed within mentally and emotionally and spiritually because things are out of place. Things need to put back, be put back in their proper place so that people can not only live uh, spiritually healthy and whole, but so they can get in with what God is doing and flow together. Think about that, flow together. Will you be going against the Lord, against the tide of the Lord, against the way of the Lord this season of life? Or will you be working in concert with the Lord and with your loved ones and with one another and us together as a church family? Will there be a healthy flow? The Bible says we're not to quench the Holy Spirit. We're to allow the Spirit of God to work in us and through us for out of that inworking of God's grace and God's power is the ability to love. Romans chapter 5 says, His love is shed abroad on our hearts by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Think about that. There is the possibility to love someone who is unlovable or unloving as we're yielded to God. Amazing, isn't it? God wants us to get in with Him, as it were, get back in line with His Word and His will for our lives. The Bible says here in Colossians chapter 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead... And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, would you underline that? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. I thought about that phrase there, Christ, who is our life. Christ is all about relationship. It's not about religion. It's not about performance. It's about a relationship. If God looks upon us and He makes the priority in regard to us, His view of us, His dealing with us. If He makes that priority a relationship with Him by faith in Jesus Christ, then we should make a renewed priority on a, not only a proper relationship and fellowship and communion with God, but with each other. The importance is relationships. Christ, who is our life, it's not religion. It's not good works. It's not being better than others or a better version of ourselves. But it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is Christ who is our life. For in Him we live and move and have our being. Christ is our all in all. It all comes out of our knowing Christ and abiding in Christ and doing His will. I thought it was interesting Vance Havner made this statement, the greatest of all unexplored worlds lies before us, the life that is hid with Christ in God. 
Think of that. The greatest of all unexplored worlds lies before us. The life that is hid with Christ in God. The Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, verse 1, since we are jointly raised up and new life has begun in us by faith in Jesus Christ, we're to seek, keep on seeking. It is something that we do in a continuous way, a committed way. God puts before us a challenge. He puts before us a charge. He puts before us a choice. You're going to have to decide which direction your life is going to trend this fall. Are you going to seek the things here, beneath, upon this earth, things temporal, things that ultimately fade, fail? Are you going to seek the things above? The thought here is seek and keep on seeking. Make it the priority. This is our challenge, our charge. It is our choice. It must become our commitment. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We're not only to seek, but we're to set. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. This is inward. We're to keep thinking about and directing our mind toward heavenly things, one writer said. We should seek everything in light of eternity. The Christian must be heavenly minded, not worrying about earthly things. This word seek literally means to exercise the mind, that is to entertain, to have a sentiment or an opinion toward by implication is to be mentally disposed intensively interested in, concerned with. It talks about a certain direction of heart and mind. We're to set our affections on things above. We're to decide that I'm going to renew my mind each day in the Word of God and in prayer. I'm going to push the reset button not just in a church service, but in a personal walk with God day by day. I'm going to ask God to renew my mind, to forgive my sin, to cleanse my mind and my heart, and renew my relationships, not only in my communion with Him, but others in my life. Oh, how stale life grows. How empty it becomes when we start walking away from the Lord and from each other. God has made us to be sociable people, to have healthy relationships. That's why people get discouraged. They isolate themselves. And the further they isolate themselves, the lonelier they become and the more depressed they end up being. That's why church is something that is more than we watch It's something we actually attend and become a part of. Think about it in that regard. God wants us to see the value of this, the importance of making this choice to seek the things which are above. I wonder, what are you entertaining in your mind? Things of this life? 
some refuge of this world, just be reminded that earthly refuges fail. They always have and they always will ultimately. He said, set your affection on things above. Be heavenly minded. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Think of that. Literally, you died in the sense of to yourself, to your desire, to your design for your future. You gave it to God. You died with Christ. You came to the end of yourself and you said, Lord, forgive me. Now Christ lives within you. Your life is hid with Christ in God, permanently hidden and secured there, locked together in with Christ, secure. Satan cannot break the lock. He cannot get to us. Thank God for that. You talk about the security of the believer. Right here it is. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. The life you have now is the Christ life. The life which I now live I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. That's the life that I'm living now. It's the Christ life. He lives within me. I cannot deny him. Now, I can try to, but he's there as a permanent residence. He's not going anywhere. He's never going to leave me. He made that promise, and his promise cannot fail. So he's always there within. And as I think about this, the Bible says, your life is hid with Christ and God, but then in verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Our days are numbered, friend. We're not going to be here forever. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is going to Call us unto himself, as God's word declares, come up hither, and forever we shall be with the Lord. That day's coming. Why would we live for time when eternity awaits? Eternity lasts unendingly. When we do things in light of eternity for the glory of God and the good of others, they not only last, but they matter why would we give ourselves to those things that don't matter or they don't matter much in comparison to that which matters most? That's what God wants us to see. That's the life that he wants us to choose. He wants us to seek. He wants us to set. He wants us to mortify. Verse 5, therefore your members which are upon the earth, there's some things we're to put to death. We're to just say, by the grace of God, there's some things I'm going to put off so that I can put on. How many of you have a trusted pair of shoes that you have worn out? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's work boots. Maybe it's tennis shoes. I have a pair of shoes. I love them. I've got them tied just right to where I can slip my foot in and out of them with no effort. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how comfortable they are. But one, the front has come loose, and now every step I take is like I'm smiling real big, you know? <laughs> Just like that, every step. And I've been fine with that. I mean, I've actually gone to the grocery store in those shoes. I don't think a thing about it. They're my comfortable shoes. 
And yet, here lately, I've noticed that I've, I've been kind of catching the lip when I would take a step on the yard or maybe somewhere, and I'm thinking, now, wait a minute. Before I trip, I got to get out of these old shoes, and I need to get in some newer shoes. Well, I've got a pair of tennis shoes that I have set aside for like if I go out with a family. How many of you understand that, right? And uh, I try to keep them clean and dusted and all this kind of stuff because I don't get to dress casually real often. And when I do, I love it. I'm telling you, I have a grand time. And I thought, those are my casual shoes and I'm going to keep those in really good shape. But this week when I looked at those old shoes and I thought about tripping up and then I thought about, well, I've got this new pair. Why in the world would they sit in the closet when I could tie them just right, you see? Tie them just right to slip my foot in, slip it out, and uh, just make them my next pair of shoes that I really look forward to wearing day and night wherever I go. And I made that change yesterday. I put off those old shoes and put on the new. You know, God is saying to us, if you'll study this and understand it, there's some things that he said you need to just put them off like a filthy, worn-out article of clothing or pair of shoes. It's like that's run its course. I'm done with that. I'm going to move on. That's behind me now. Some of us were holding on to old habits because we've just had them for so long. We've gotten so used to them. We've gotten so accustomed to them. We've just gotten so comfortable with them. And God says, but they're not healthy for you. They're not honoring to the Lord. It's time to just take them off. It's time to put them off. It's time to lay them aside. As this unfolds, he's talking about this practically here. You can see this expression that he uses along that very line in verse number 8. But now... He also put off all these, these things put off. And verse 12, put on, therefore, things that are to be put on in their place. But he says back in verse 5, we're to mortify, put to death, put these things off, these things that are earthly oriented, that are time defined and bound, that ultimately will take you away from things that really matter things that last, things that truly satisfy and honor the Lord, these things such as fornication, any intimacy outside of the bonds of holy matrimony in marriage, uncleanness, any fault or desire that is dishonoring to the Lord that is impure, inordinate affection, things that are outside of what God has allowed, any kind of expression of a God-given desire outside the boundary of what God has established. He said, lay that aside. He's saying here, put aside evil concupiscence. Think about that. That's unlawful desire, but that's unrestrained, the expression of whatever I think, whatever I, I feel, whatever I want, whoever I want, that's what I'm going to do, that's, that's what I'm going to pursue. He says, now these things need to be laid aside. Covetousness, think about that, which is idolatry, wanting what someone else has at their expense. Putting anything or anyone between you and your God 
something that you value more than the Lord, something that becomes an idol to you. It dominates your thinking. It dictates your passions, your desires, your priorities. You talk about it. You think about it. You even go on about it more than you do about the Lord and your pursuit of Him in your life. He says, these are things that we walked in the past in verse 7, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. That's behind us now. The life we live now, those things have been put to death. Positionally before God, our life is hid with Christ in God. Now we are declared innocent, not guilty, righteous before the Lord, right? That's our standing. But practically, our state don't pursue these because you not only are redeemed, but you still have the capacity to choose. You still have the old nature that can, by choice, be fed, nurtured, strengthened, become dominant. The Bible talks about in Galatians chapter 5 how the old nature strives against the new nature and vice versa. One lusteth against the other is the word there that means to strongly desire to control or dominate. He said, don't go down that path. Don't be double-minded. Don't be torn between two worlds. See the wisdom, the value, the power, the victory of living the Christ life, the heavenly life. He says, put these things off in verse 8, as well as anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Watch what you say, and in the spirit with which you say it, and to whom you say it. Ultimately, if you're not careful, whether it's just anger or resentment or settled indignation or something you're carrying that finally comes out of you, you've got to resolve that at some point before God if you're not careful, you're going to blaspheme the Lord. You're going to defame the Lord. You're going to dishonor the Lord, not only with the direction of your life, but with the words of your lips. He says, now here, be careful. Put those things off. You're going to have to see the value, and the choice is going to have to be yours. You're going to have to decide. This choice you make. Lord, I don't, I don't want to talk like that. I don't want to think like that, which precedes words like that. God, renew my heart and my mind. Help me, Lord, to be wholly given to you, fully yielded and consecrated to you. He says in verse 9, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Don't be filled with deception or guile. Don't be misleading people, misrepresenting things in your life. Don't be someone who tries to shade the truth or, or in some way tries to lead people down a line of thought that you know is not honest. Well, I didn't come out and say that, but what you did say led people to believe a conclusion that you knew was wrong. I'm glad our Savior, the Bible says, he was without guile. There was no deception in him at all. There was no smoke and mirrors. 
There was no playing one against the other or trying to find some way to manipulate or maneuver and to get one's way at someone else's expense. That's what I've talked about with the staff this week about this matter of dealing with each other in good faith. Good faith comes out of a good heart that yielded before God. It's not a heart that is darkened, that is deceptive. Deception darkens your heart. It causes you to play smoke and mirrors so much to the point, if you're not careful, that the one that you will ultimately deceive, the Bible says, is who? Yourself. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves, James 1 says. You trick others to the point to where you actually trick yourself. And you don't even know the very sad estate that you've gotten yourself in. Wow. No wonder he says, put them off at verse 10 and have put on the new man which is renewed. The word renewed here is the word to renovate. When you renovate something, you take out the old and replace it with the new, right? There's some things God needs to take out of our thought life, our thought patterns, our desires, take them out, tear them out as it were, displace them with what is new, which is renewed in knowledge that is more discernment, more understanding of God that comes by meditating upon His Word in the knowledge after the image of Him that created Him. We get more knowledge of God, our Creator, through His Word. And God wants us to see that. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Our outward man is doing what? It's just decaying. Outwardly, we're just passing away. We're fading. But inwardly, the inward man is what? Renewed day by day. That's the same word to renovate. It's renewed. Lord, I shouldn't be thinking this way. Help me. Displace that thought. Take it out of my mind. Put it out of my thought and my priority in the thought patterns that have even developed in my mind and help me to develop new thought patterns by focusing on what is true and honest and just and of virtue and of good report, Philippians 4, 8 says. Lord, help me to have a renewed heart and mind. See, that's something we must do. No one else can do that for us. So if you're filled with insecurity, suspicion, fear, conniving, deception, maneuvering, manipulating, you've got to see that in yourself and say, Lord, this is a work of the flesh, not of the Spirit. Help me to not only understand this, but to confess it and forsake it by your grace and in his place fill my heart and mind with truth and righteousness and good faith, honesty, and honor. Oh, if you look down, we see so many things here, and I won't labor this. We'll just close in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against enemy or any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, completeness, maturity in Christ's likeness. 
and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be ye thankful. Boy, there's a lot to digest there, isn't there? A lot to take to heart. And above all, do you know what keeps things together? Our thoughts, our heart, our affections, our direction of life, the way we not only think, but the way we act and react, the way we treat others. The thing that holds that in the right place is a genuine love for God and each other. The word charity is the word agape. Agape love, loyal, devoted love. Whether you feel like it or not is not so much the emotion as it is the devotion of love that God emphasizes here. It's a decision. It's a dedication. It's a choice. It's a commitment. I'm just going to love God and love others. You say, I just wish I'd get more love. Well, the way the Bible teaches us You've got to see the wisdom. The way to get love is to give love. We reap what we sow more than we sow, later than we sow. Keep loving. It's not coming back like you had hoped or wanted by now. Just keep loving. Don't harden yourself. Don't shut yourself down. Don't put off love and put on resentment and bitterness and angst in your heart, your heart, before someone else, before the Lord as well. Oh, he says here, the bond of maturity. Let's continue to grow up in the Lord. Let's push the reset button and say, Lord, I've not yet arrived. I'll tell you, there's room for growth, and I want to get back on the path of becoming a mature Christian, more like Jesus Christ in the way he sees things, the way he talks, the way he treats people, the things, the priorities that he has in his heart to do the Father's will. God help me to have that renewed in my heart this day. As I was thinking about something recently, what do I do, Lord? I'm so thankful for the faithfulness of God through His Word and by His Spirit to just bring to mind when we ask, Lord, what do I do? Something that God has reminded me of again and again. What do I do here, Lord? Humble yourself. That's your answer. You know, what about this? Humble yourself. Well, humble yourself. You say, I've got so many things I need to figure out, I need to fix, I've got situations I'm dealing with. Humble yourself. You can't control what anybody else says or does, but you can choose to humble yourself. Push the reset button by submission, humbling yourself before God and saying, Lord, I want my affection, my attention, the direction of my life to be set on things above, things that matter, things that last things that honor you and bring peace and blessing. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. 
Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.